Gary Leland, also known as the Bitcoin Boomer, and you're joining me on the Bitcoin for Boomers show. That's right, Bitcoin for Boomers. You know, all those millennials in Z generation or whatever they are, they're all, they all know what Bitcoin is and they're all getting into Bitcoin. I felt it was my job to come on here and educate us boomers. We all need to get on here too. We don't want to miss this wave that's coming through the currency market called Bitcoin. On our shows, we try to explain to you what Bitcoin is, how it can be used to help society, how it can be used as an investment. During the season, we'll go through a lot of uses for Bitcoin, what it is, and what Bitcoin is all about. This is a, an amazing new technology. It's not just a currency, it is a technology, and it is gonna be life-changing. Now, we're recording here in Arlington, Texas. I wanna make sure you know it, Biz TV. And this is a great network, and I want to thank the people at BizTV for giving me this opportunity to come on here and share with you guys what Bitcoin is and what it's all about. Now, today we're going to have a special guest starting in segment three, American HODL. American HODL is well known in the Bitcoin world and has a lot of valuable information to give us, not only about Bitcoin and how it's a life-changing thing as far as an investment, how it can be an investment vehicle, but also about society and what we're facing today and seeing happening in the United States today and how Bitcoin can help with that and help change the world for the better. So you're going to enjoy today's show. That's in segment three and on. Segment two today, we're going to give you a little Bitcoin news. We're going to try giving you some news every week. So we're going to go straight to the news after this segment. Then we'll come back with American HODL. And I promise you, you're going to enjoy American HODL, what he has to say. Before we go to our break, though, I do want to make sure you know about my other show I produce. It's called 4-Minute Bitcoin. Check that out at 4MinuteBitcoin.com, of course. But every day, I do a show for you, and it's one, just one, news article about Bitcoin in four minutes or less. I guess that's why it's called 4-Minute Bitcoin, right? So you'll enjoy finding out about that. Go to 4MinuteBitcoin.com and check that out every day and subscribe if you like this show. Like I said, I'm Gary Leland, the Bitcoin Boomer, and we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor right here at BizTV Studios. to the Bitcoin for Boomers show. I'm Gary Leland, your host, also known as the Bitcoin Boomer. Now, today we're going to give you a few news articles, things that are happening in the world of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is growing so fast and so exciting that new things are coming out every day, and we want to keep you up to date. First up, PayPal and Venmo to add Bitcoin. This is from a post by Tony Spilatro at Bitcoinist. If you can't beat them, join them, goes the saying. And according to sources familiar with the matter, that's exactly what Venmo and parent company PayPal may be up to. That's correct. According to a so-called well-placed industry source, PayPal and Venmo will be embracing Bitcoin and embracing it in a major, major way. The company now has long been in opposition to the emerging technology, because it directly threatens PayPal's business model. PayPal users report that the company routinely blocks transactions from being made using the service. It does, however, allow users to transfer funds to the platform 
from some exchanges to cash out. Coinbase, for example, offers PayPal as a withdrawal option for many customers. Meanwhile, PayPal's debit MasterCard, well, it's not allowed to transact on Coinbase. Soon, PayPal and Venmo could act as a fiat payment gateway, much like the Cash App does for Bitcoin. Coindesk sources claim that PayPal would launch the option to buy Bitcoin right from the platform itself. PayPal and Venmo would also enable a Bitcoin wallet so the assets can be stored with the payment provider. In addition to allowing users to buy Bitcoin right from PayPal, it will enable direct sales of Bitcoin as well. This will cause the platform to effectively function as a cryptocurrency Bitcoin exchange. It seems that additional sources back up the claims, adding that the service could be rolled out on as little as three months from now. PayPal and Venmo would immediately face off against Jack Dorsey's Cash App, which launched Bitcoin buying in 2018. Now, Cash App was recently named alongside the exchange Coinbase as the most popular places to buy Bitcoin. PayPal has over 305 million users, active registered accounts, according to data. The company's CEO plans to aggressively grow Venmo to over 52 million accounts this year alone. So that's nearly 400 million users' accounts exposed to Bitcoin through PayPal and Venmo. And that's an enormous step for adoption. There's said to be over 40 million individual blockchain wallets in the world right now. So if just 10% of PayPal and Venmo users eventually use crypto Bitcoin wallets, the current number of wallets would double. Now, of course, take any rumor with a grain of salt, especially when the plans appear to undermine the company's business model. But if these rumors are indeed true, PayPal and Venmo's plans should be revealed before the year is over. Now, this would be a big growth move for Bitcoin, would help Bitcoin adoption grow rapidly. Now, next up, the dollar is declining at warp speed, and how will Bitcoin respond? This is another post by Tony Spilatro at News BTC. Now, it's been almost 100 years since the dollar became the global reserve currency fueling financial dominance for the United States. But for the first time in its history, the dollar is showing signs of serious weakness and doubt. As the pandemic first began to impact the economy, investors flocked to safe haven assets like gold, the yen, the franc, and of course, the U.S. dollar. These assets, including the dollar, traded at a premium. But how the United States has handled the hit to the economy that the pandemic caused has put the dollar in a very vulnerable position. Former Morgan Stanley Asia Chairman Stephen Roach believes that things are about to get much worse for the dollar and it may be a favorable environment for Bitcoin. Roach sees the deterioration of the dollar happening sooner rather than later, and it would end the dollar's domination as a global reserve currency. The Economist cites the combination of record unemployment rates, a rapidly growing Fed balance sheet, and a shrinking GDP as reasons for the sharp decline. The nation is currently in turmoil. Public unrest over police brutality, wage inequity, and racism has led to widespread protests and riots. 
adding insult to injury, new cases of the virus that caused the disruption in the first place once again are starting to climb. If another wave of the pandemic hits the United States full force with so much else going on, it could destroy the dollar. During this, Bitcoin is further emerging as an ideal replacement for the U.S. dollar. Contactless payments are becoming preferred and a non-physical store of value is becoming more necessary. The United States continues to fail to release a digital dollar of its own and could soon be preempted by its rival, China. Bitcoin now is non-sovereign. It acts as a hedge against inflation and found itself suddenly a topic at recent protests. Protests were championing Bitcoin as a way to opt out of the government's control and poor management of the monetary policy. Monetary policy that's been so grossly mismanaged, it could lead to the warp speed decline of the U.S. dollar, as Roach says. So do you think Stephen Roach is correct? Hmm, I'm telling you. We're seeing a lot of crazy stuff happening in the world. Next up, Donald Trump told Treasury Secretary to go after Bitcoin. And this is from a post by Turner Wright at Cointelegraph. According to John Bolton's new book, The Room Where It Happened, Trump was against Bitcoin long before his July 2019 Twitter tirade. United States President Donald Trump wanted to take his apparent dislike of Bitcoin off Twitter and on to the regulatory level, according to former National Security Advisor John Bolton. A June 18th article in Forbes about Bolton's new book reveals Bolton heard Trump tell Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin to go after Bitcoin. The conversation between Trump and Mnuchin was regarding trade sanctions and tariffs against China in May of 2018. It's not the first time Trump has expressed a dislike of Bitcoin, though. He went on a Twitter tirade back in July of 2019, in which he stated, Bitcoin was not money, and it's based on thin air. That's it exactly what he said. He continued by attacking Facebook's Libra token as having little standing or dependability. Now, the Treasury Secretary backed Trump's position in the media following the July 2019 tweet saying, the White House was looking at all of the crypto assets and then claiming that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are used for money laundering more often than cash. Now, that was kind of weird to say. But President Trump has also taken some decisions that may have helped or benefited Bitcoin. President Trump appointed Mick Mulvaney as the White House Chief of Staff in October of 2018. And Mulvaney? Well, he's pro-Bitcoin. Now, we already knew that Bitcoin was on President Trump's radar and that he wasn't a big fan. So this really isn't anything we weren't aware of, I guess. But we didn't know that he disliked it so much, maybe. What do you think of that? Be sure to let us know your thoughts. Our final article is from Pomp, and it continues his push for pension funds Bitcoin allocation by Amelia Davis at Cointelegraph. As pension funds struggle with their funding, Morgan Creek Digital co-founder Anthony Papliano continues to press them into adding more Bitcoin into their portfolios. In a letter to investors, Papliano said, pension funds like the California Public Employees Retirement System would do well to invest in Bitcoin instead of increasing their allocations of liquid assets. 
Pompliana said, it's as clear as possible that adding an allocation to Bitcoin would increase the risk adduction returns for a public pension fund. He suggests pension funds allocate between 1% to 5% of their positions in Bitcoin and added, you want to know where the greatest innovations occurring at the moment? That's Bitcoin. So that's a little bit of news for you today. We hope you've enjoyed this news. This was our first shot at news, but coming back after this break coming up, we'll have American HODL. And we're going to have a great conversation with American HODL about Bitcoin, society today, and everything is happening. So I hope you join us for American HODL right after this. And welcome back to the Bitcoin for Boomers show. I'm your host, Gary Leland. And as I said earlier, we're recording live from the Biz TV studios in Dallas, Fort Worth. We want to educate you on Bitcoin. We want to let you know what Bitcoin is, how you can take advantage of Bitcoin and what Bitcoin can do for you. And today I brought on a guest to help us get that accomplished. Not only a good friend of mine, a very knowledgeable person on Bitcoin, American HODL. Hey, Gary. Good to be here, man. Uh Pleased to be here with one of my favorite Bitcoin boomers, you know. Gary, you're one of the only uh, boomers I meet in daily life who actually understands Bitcoin. Most, mostly when I talk with boomers, you know, friends and family, uh, they just look at me like, that's a scam. Uh, can I buy anything in the store with it? I don't understand. It's, it's on the internet? Sounds like a scam, right? <laughs> well, that's exactly what I hear all the time when I'm trying to talk boomers into or tell boomers about Bitcoin. <laughs> I don't want to say talk boomers into it because that's not my goal. But yeah, Bitcoin, I think the older you are, the harder it is for people to wrap their mind around the whole concept of, of money or Internet money, or as my wife calls it, magical Internet money. It's just hard for them to wrap their mind around that. It, what do you think the reason is? Just because we're so old or... Yeah, I think, you know, if you grew up in an era where there was, let's say, like, you know, what, computers were prevalent in your life in the mid-90s, right? So you would have been in your 40s-ish. Uh, it's really hard to come to grips with something that just lives natively on distributed Internet servers, basically, right? So I think that's the big disconnect. And it's a lot of it is an age thing. It's much easier for Gen Z and for millennials to intuit uh, Bitcoin because we've grown up on the Internet. And so to us, you know, things that live on the Internet are real things. They're not uh, fake. Just like, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday about the e-games and they were saying, I don't understand right. how these kids would pay money to watch people play video games. They just couldn't conceive that. So there's a lot of things besides Bitcoin that boomers just have a hard time understanding that younger generations take for granted and really don't see how they don't understand it. And I think that's another example. Or, and that's a booming business. I mean, that's a huge business. Well, it's also, you know, people, pe boomers have the problem that everybody has, right? Which is like, none of us understand money we'd be lying if we said we did i mean we spend our whole lives in pursuit of this you know piece of paper uh, in order to get the bigger house or the better car or whatever it is and we don't really ever ask ourselves like what what is money how is it constructed we just take it as a, a given it's it's just you know the government this this dollar is worth 
a dollar because the government says it's worth a dollar, right? And when you were a kid, you know, the money was back to gold. And then in 1971, Nixon closes the gold window and suddenly the money is totally untethered. And so we're just surviving on the fumes of the gold standard now. And I think I wish more people understood that Bitcoin is actually not that progressive of a technology. It's more of a regressive technology because it restores what we used to have and it institutes a new digital gold standard, meaning, you know, your money's actually scarce. So it's actually worth something. Somebody's willing to give you something because scarcity is the bedrock of all, you know, value. Right. Whereas if you look at the actions of the Fed, what the Fed has done recently during uh, this economic crisis and this pandemic, you know, sending stimulus checks to every Americans and they're talking about sending another round of stimulus checks to every Americans. I think most people just don't ask themselves, where does that money come from? Just where does it come from? They print it out of thin air. And when they do that, it devalues all of our savings, right? This is why it's becoming harder and harder to get ahead in America. It's why wealth inequality is growing like crazy. Like, for instance, the difference between your generation and my generation is when you were at my age, your generation owned 21% of the global, or the, sorry, the American economy. My generation owns 2.2%. We're 10 times poorer than our parents were. And that's sort of fundamentally, uh, you know, against the laws of nature, right? Like you want to do more for your children. You want to leave more for your children than you had for you. And I do know that individual baby boomers obviously are, have done that and are doing that. But in aggregate, that has not happened. And so when you see the rioting in the streets, uh, you know, the social unrest, everything that's going on right now, this is all a response to the money being fundamentally broken. And people need to wake up to that fact. Well, I think you made several good points there. First of all, people, including myself, I had no concept of what money was. I mean, I really didn't know what money was. I thought I knew what money was, but like you said, it's a piece of paper is all I really knew until actually until I read the Bitcoin standard from Safedina Moose, which I recommend to anyone if they want to find out what money is. That really goes into it from the time of seashells till now. So you need to know what money is if you're going to try to understand what Bitcoin is, I think, in all reality. But, you know, your, yeah. your other point you made, I know I'm skipping another point, but your other point you made about the amount of wealth that one generation has compared to the other generation is a huge, huge deal. And I think that's partially yeah. one of the reasons we see what's happening in society today is people are fed up with it. And uh, I, know, I know a lot of people, the big, the big meme is, you know, the boomers screwed everything up. So that's why I jumped and grabbed that because I know that I didn't mess anything up. You know, they took the silver out of the quarters when I was like in third grade. You know, silvers were, quarters were all silver. And then when I was yeah. in, what, ninth grade, 10th grade, they took the gold out of the dollar. So this boomer had nothing to do with it. But those things, yeah. you know, the, the dollar being taken off the gold standard, like you say, I think that has affected our economy way more than anyone probably thought it might at the time, even though that's kind of a black swan thing. It's something you should have seen coming, you know, because, yeah. I mean, it happened to the Romans. You know, it happened in the Weimar Republic or whatever it is. It caused World War II. I mean, this has happened over and over in the history of, of mankind and when it comes to money. And now we have you know, the economy today and, and look to, what's happening. And to, and to be very to be very fair to the baby boomers, uh, you know, I think that a lot of what you guys were saddled with was actually started before you by the silent generation and is really not entirely your fault. I think the majority of baby boomers didn't understand what was going on. 
But what happened was American institutions had been saddled with this idea of the embedded growth paradigm. And all that means was after World War II was, uh, you know, uh, Europe was totally bombed out. America was the only superpower that was manufacturing. We also, you know, repatriated all the gold over to our shores so that Hitler couldn't get his hands on it. And so suddenly we were this undisputed uh, global superpower and the American economy was booming for 20 years, right? While everybody else was struggling to get back on their feet because the war had been fought in their homeland. And because of that, we had this idea that growth should continue at that pace. And so what happened is the silent generation passed these institutions and ideas down to the baby boomers. The baby boomers found out like, hey, this kind of doesn't work. Um, and what they did was they created fake growth in order to grow certain segments of the population, like banking, right? You know, when you were a kid, banking was just sort of a boring industry. And now financialization of everything has occurred. And that's how we got, you know, the mortgage, uh, the mortgage crisis that happened in 08, credit default swaps, all these fancy synthetic instruments. And we're now in a precarious place where we're sending our best and brightest in America into areas of finance where what they're really doing is bilking middle-class Americans, good, hardworking people out of money instead of going and building the future and innovating. You know, I mean, in 69, we went to the moon and since then it's just been a steady decline. And that's pretty closely tied to when we went off the gold standard. And there's a lot of reasons for that, you know, and some of them are very heady. But the big reason that I think is easy to explain is when you have a fake currency, <laughs> which is what the U.S. dollar is. I mean, it's backed by nothing. Right. It, it has value because the U.S. military is so powerful. That's the only reason. It's basically backed by violence. So when you have something like that, what happens is people in an effort to get even close, you know, how to describe this succinctly this is a tough concept um basically your money's going to be inflated away from you so you have to invest it in something meaning you're going to have to go swim with the sharks on wall street in order to protect your savings you can't just do what your grandfather did and put your money under the mattress because guess what in 20 years it'll be worth nothing a cart of groceries at the store used to be 40 bucks and now a cart of groceries is 300 bucks yeah. so you can't save in a normal way you're going to have to plow your money into the stock market. And in doing so, this creates malinvestment. Well, now let's continue because with this in a second not... after we take a break for yeah, our sponsor ahead. here. But we'll take a break for our sponsor and we'll come back to that. And when we get back, we're going to go back into that. And then we're going to go into what exactly is Bitcoin, you know, in your opinion. So stick with us for another second here or come back in another second, I mean, and join us again on Bitcoin for Boomers. Welcome back to Bitcoin for Boomers. Gary Leland, your host here. We're having a great conversation with American HODL. American HODL, tell me, let's get back on that subject we were just talking about there and how uh, the economy is being affected by, or how the Generation Z and Millennials are being affected by the um, financial crisis or the gold standard being taken, the dollar off the gold standard. Let's get into that and finish that subject up real quick. Totally. You know, well, what happens is people are being priced out of the American economy. And going back to the conversation we were having about malinvestment, when everybody's piling into the stock market and then when the Fed is straight up injecting liquidity into the stock market, which just means they're printing money and they're giving it to banks and banks are buying stock. 
what that does is it causes the price of assets to rise. So if you're a homeowner in America, you've done really well over the last 30 years, right? If you've owned bonds and equities, you've done really well over the last 30 years. The problem with that is it is now pricing out the people who do not have assets from the last 30 years. I mean, who are you going to sell your house to? You know, the millennials don't have any money. They can't afford a million dollar house. Right. So what's what that is, what that is doing is it is. It's slowing birth rates. It's causing an entire generation to be despondent and feel that they've been wronged in some way. And in many ways they have. It's going to cause further wealth inequality between the generations. It's going to cause a racial divide because white children who are my age who are in their 30s now are going to be the beneficiaries of this massive wealth transfer from white baby boomers, right? I think there's something like $40 trillion set to transfer down between the generations. And that is sort of an, a fundamentally unfair transfer if you were born into like, let's say, um, you know, an impoverished area and you didn't have the same social structure and safety net that white children had. So it'll increase the racial divide we're seeing now. There are just a lot of things that go wrong in a society when you have a money that can be gamed this way by elites for the benefit of elites while shutting out the majority of Americans. Yeah, and that's a really good point there. Um, so, yeah, the wealth of the baby boomers are going to be passed down to their children, keeping another class, uh, class that's a financially stronger class. But something that a lot of people claim or feel or i feel and i think you agree a great equalizer something that's going to or has the possibility to put everybody on a much more level playing field is bitcoin um so that's yeah. and that's why we both are into bitcoin and a lot of people are into bitcoin a lot of people are into bitcoin and they just see bitcoin as orange coin goes up or it's a chance to make a lot of money and and I think we both can agree, we think over time, Bitcoin is going to be worth a lot of money, but it does a lot more than just be a stock, you know, type of situation. In your, in your opinion, in your description, what is Bitcoin? So what do you say? What is Bitcoin? Tell me, tell our audience. This, okay, the simplest thing in the world is Bitcoin is digital gold. It's been around for 10 years now. It's been being attacked every which way it possibly can, and it's never been hacked. The way Bitcoin works is through, you know, distributed computing and stuff. But like, if you really care about that, go look it up. There's tons of information on Google. All you need to know is that Bitcoin is a fixed supply. There's only ever going to be 21 million units of Bitcoin, 21 million Bitcoins, right? They're infinitely divisible downwards. Meaning if you have one, two, three, four Bitcoins, this is pretty rare. This is a pretty scarce thing. It's kind of like at this point in time, if we're right, Gary, let's say 100 years from now, the world is on a Bitcoin standard. This is like buying Manhattan real estate in 1802, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's such a value. As, as I tell people, your upside compared to your downside is such a big difference. I mean, for instance, you know, and that's getting back to money again, you know, which I hate to do all the time, but it, it, it's just, it's there if you're looking at it long term. You know, if you're looking at yeah. it as something that can change a generation of your family, you know, your downturn, if you put in 1%, uh, if you're someone that has money, you put in 1% of your investment into Bitcoin, for instance, your downside is you'd lose 1%. That's your worst downside. Which, right. If I come home at night and the market has dropped the 
I don't get my wife and go, oh my gosh, Kathy, what are we going to do? We lost 1% today. You know, what are we going to do? I mean, that doesn't happen. And the chances of it losing right. that quickly, all of its value is pretty slim anyway. But its upside I, you know, is I think 10, 20, 30, 40 fold. You're making me think of an interesting thing, which is, I, I you know, I think a lot of, um, how to say it, a lot of people think that Bitcoin is not real property because it's an abstraction. It's a digital abstraction. It lives on the internet, right? But that's actually a benefit of Bitcoin. Let's say the government wanted to make gold ownership illegal, which they've done in the past, right? Under All Roosevelt. they got to do is show up to your, yeah, yeah, right. And you think, oh, I buried it in my backyard. All they got to do is show up with a metal detector. So Bitcoin being very hard to seize, we, we say it's censorship resistant, but it's also unconfiscatable. Nobody can take it away from you. Whereas if you own, let's say you have the fancy, uh, you know, house that the baby boomers have and it costs a million bucks and it's, it's your own little McMansion, your own little slice of paradise, right? Well, you're, you don't really own that. You're getting property taxed on that every single year. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, you try not paying your property taxes and see how well you own that house. I mean, you don't. But, you know, Bitcoin yeah. is a digital. You know, a lot of th people don't understand. I try to set, tell people... If you take a credit card, you know, and make payments, or you pay your bills online, that's just like using Bitcoin. It's the same process for the most part for people who don't understand how you could pay for Bitcoin and it's not a real, a real thing, how you can use Bitcoin, and it's not a real thing. It's as real as the digits when you send an e-transfer. It's just as real. For anybody who watched, um, you know, Jerome Powell, Fed chairman on 60 Minutes, they asked him how he was printing all this uh, money, how he was, you know, helicoptering all this money into the economy. And he just said, we just do it on a computer. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Except the, di the difference is the difference is in Bitcoin. I can't go and just print myself a billion Bitcoins. Right. Because there are consensus rules. So I run my soft my Bitcoin software. You run your Bitcoin software, Gary. And our software is, you know, checking each other to make sure that we're not cheating the system. Whereas nobody audits the Fed, right? No, ever. <laughs> I don't think right. ever <laughs> they've been audited. You know, no, and, it's never and, been audited. Yeah, and the thing is, like you said, the Fed's never been audited. They make as much money as, you, as they want. Bitcoin will never be increased. And something you said earlier, which we didn't go, go over, which a lot of people tell me this when I tell them about Bitcoin, is they hear about it being hacked all the time. As you said earlier, mm. Bitcoin's never been hacked. You know, it's Bitcoin exchanges or Bitcoin wallet. It's just poor management of Bitcoins that right. people have acquired that have gotten hacked. Not Bitcoin. Bitcoin's never been hacked. And I think people have a hard time understanding that, too. Well, here, you know, Bitcoin has given us um, so much, but it's also given us new problems. And one of these new problems is private key management, right? Because... Think, think about Bitcoin as sort of like a locker in the sky, right? And that locker holds within it a Bitcoin. And you don't have the locker and the Bitcoin. You just have the key that unlocks it and the ability to transfer it to others. That's sort of how Bitcoin works, right? And so that key is very valuable. That essentially is the Bitcoin. And securing them in the early days was seen as sort of trivial and people would just leave them on their computers. And, you know, computers have malware and they get hacked and all sorts of things happen, right?
but a, a very mature industry has grown up around private key management these days. And, you know, it's very easy to hold multi millions of dollars in Bitcoin with absolute confidence that you're not going to be hacked. Um, and that just, the, the primary way that you, you don't get hacked is you just you keep your Bitcoins offline in what's called cold storage. And that gets a little technical and everything. But I think people need to know it has gotten a lot safer. And those stories that you heard in the news a few years ago, those are pretty much not a concern. You know, I don't hear about people who are um, practicing best practices with private key management. I don't hear about them getting hacked anymore. Well, and, and, and like I said, that's a problem a lot of people have, when, especially boomers, when you try to tell them about this. So we're going to come back and talk about some more on Bitcoin. Of course, it's the Bitcoin for Boomers show. May throw some more boomer facts in there on you. American Hoddle, I appreciate you joining me, everyone. Sit back, get your Coke, whatever you're going to do. Come back in a minute and join me in American Hoddle as we talk about Bitcoin. Welcome back. Gary Leland here with the Bitcoin for Boomers show. We're in the middle of a conversation here with American HODL. But before we go into that too much further, I do want to let you know about a conference that I'm putting on I have coming up called BitBlock Boom. Go to bitblockboom.com and check it out. This is the lineup of a lifetime. And it's a Bitcoin conference, not a crypto conference. So if you're into Bitcoin, check out bitblockboom.com. Now let's get back to American Hoddle, who's waiting patiently for us to get back to him. Now, uh, Hoddle, you're coming to Bitblock Boom, which I'm excited. I met you this summer at the Tone Vase conference in Vegas. Um, what do you think of our lineup so far? Oh, I'm, ex I'm excited. Plus, any chance to get to Texas and eat barbecue is uh, all right with me, you know? Yeah, barbecue and uh, Tex-Mex, you can't beat either one of them. That's all I eat just about for That's the most right. part. Um, but to get back to uh, Bitcoin. You know, we were talking about the 21 million a minute ago, and that 21 million reminded me of, 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 of a conversation about a meme. And the meme used to be you wanted to try to get 21 Bitcoin. If you could accomplish that fact and get 21 Bitcoin, you were only one of a million people on the entire planet that could have 21, since there are only 21 Bitcoin. Now you've changed that meme and thrown it on his head with 6.15. <laughs> And we're not going to get into it totally what happens if you get 6.15. But what, let's go over that, for instance, for a minute. 6.15 Bitcoin. What does that mean? Uh, well, you know, 6 point, because 20, 21 Bitcoin was when I first got in, like you said. That was the, uh, you know, high achievement status number that if you got to it, uh, you, you know, you, were, you made it basically, right? But you know, that as the Bitcoin price rose, that became like a quarter million dollars. And like, who has a quarter million dollars lying around, right? And so, you know, I lowered it for new entrants so that they could also feel like they had a, a stretch goal that they could achieve. And I think, you know, after this next, I mean, I think me and you both think, Gary, that there's a bull run coming here in a year or two where the price is going to go absolutely crazy and we're going to see $100,000 plus prices. I'm sure that the achievement status number of Bitcoin to own will go even further down ultimately, right? Like well, people will be talking about owning, uh, you know, a half a Bitcoin. Right? right, I was gonna say a Bitcoin, but yeah, you're right. It may get to yeah. 0.1 Bitcoin at some time. Right, right. And uh, you know, something I wanted to touch on uh, regarding the 21 million cap, because you know, the 21 million cap is 
probably the biggest deal in Bitcoin, uh, aside from some of the secret sauce of how Bitcoin actually works. The reason it's such a big deal is even gold has an inflation rate. We haven't mined all the gold on Earth. Gold is still being mined all the time. But at some point in 2140, I think, the, la the very last fraction of a Bitcoin will be mined and there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins on Earth. That gives you absolute scarcity in the asset. And now when we think about wealth as a measurement, right, we've been measuring with faulty tools. Are, are you familiar with um, qubits, Gary? Uh, with what? Qubits? No, qubits. I'm not. Have you ever heard of... Okay, so in the Bible, Noah builds the ark with a qubit. And a qubit is your fingertip to your elbow, basically. Now, you can already see the problem with this measurement because everybody has different length arms. <laughs> That's kind of what it is to measure value in fiat currency today because there's so much printing, there's so much inflation, there's so much that is constantly shifting the measurement. We don't have a consistent measurement for value, which makes it very hard for us to make correct economic calculations, right? And so Bitcoin gives us this absolute measurement for value, like basically a metric system for value that humanity can use to make appropriate investments and let capitalism flourish in the way capitalism is supposed to flourish. Because here's the thing. Capitalism does not mean I go to the Federal Reserve and I ask them to bail out my bankrupt company. Capitalism means I had a bad business model for my company and now I have lost my company to better capitalist, right? Bitcoin is a system that gets us back to there. And I think that's an inherently better system because going back to the wealth inequality and the stuff that we talked about earlier, the class warfare between the generations, a lot of younger people are feeling a strong call to do communism. And they want to bring communism to America. If you look at what's going on in Seattle, where basically a bunch of communists have taken over six city blocks in Seattle and they're declaring themselves their own nation, right? Which I think we can both agree is absolutely ridiculous. This is something, this is an idea that needs to be snuffed out in America, but the reason it's gaining traction is because of crony capitalism, is because elites keep printing money, giving money to their friends and the people close to the Fed window. And, you know, normal people are not dumb. They know that they're getting got. They can see that something immoral, something wrong is happening to them. And I think the only area I differ with those people is they think the answer is communism. And I think the answer to, you know, crony capitalism is better capitalism. And that is what Bitcoin gives us. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. I think capitalism is a great, great system. It's just that we don't have true capitalism because businesses are not allowed to go out of business when they make mistakes. And when they make mistakes, they should go out of business. You know, if we had the government set up today, if the government of today was here 100 years ago, we might not have cars. Because those buggy whip manufacturers that were going out of business would have been going, hey, I need some money to keep my buggies going. we got to make some more buggies here. We're going out of business. And they'd have been supporting those people instead of letting them go out of business like they need to. Because every business, when you a business goes out of business, it's replaced with a business that's a lot smarter and does it a lot better, usually, in a capitalistic market. And I think that I agree with you. Bitcoin brings that back because there's no one controlling the capital to give it out because they can't just make it. They just can't print it. They can't say, okay, well, here, here's some more money. We'll destroy the value of the money, which, you know, when they're destroying the value of this money, the Fed is completely happy if we lose 2% every year. 
I mean, if you lose 2% of your savings, they've, I've seen, I've seen Jerome Powell say it. Well, our goal is that you're only going to lose 2% of your savings every year is basically what he says. That's our goal. So, right, during times like now, maybe it's 5 or 6%, you know, of your value you're going to lose, you know, just because they're printing more money. So, I, I think we have a, a, a hefty problem. I agree with you coming up. I think we could see things as bad as 30% over the next five, six years with the way they've been printing money. I mean, I don't know. I may be when crazy. You look, I hope I am crazy. You know, the, like you said, the Fed has a target goal of 2% inflation per year. But if you ask the man on the street, you know, a deflationary currency would be much better for them because you say, hey, man, your wages from last year that you saved are going to go up. They're going to go up in value, right? Who doesn't want that? And I think when we look at deflation, deflation is a very liberating force for technology. Just look at you know, the early computers from the, the first PCs from the 1980s, right? To the, to the video call we're doing now that I'm just doing on my phone. Like deflation in technology has given us so much, basically abundance, right? And the fact that we have inflation in our money is stalling out the deflationary future technologies that will bring humanity to basically the Jetsons era that we all thought we would be at by now. I mean, where's my flying car, Gary? I want it, you know? <laughs> by, by now, we should have had it. Well, American Auto, I appreciate you coming on. We're about to run out of time here. So I do want to take this moment to tell you thank you for coming on. We probably could talk for hours. So we'll bring you back on another episode and we'll talk some more. And make sure and follow uh, him on Twitter. It's HODL, H-O-D-L, underscore American makes great great comments gets a lot of conversations started that would be saying it mildly i think but i really do appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today and uh i also want to thank you for waiting we had a little things happen in the pre-op no one knows about we'll keep that between us thanks i appreciate it of course no worries buy some bitcoin you guys good advice now we're going to take a break in a minute but before we do i want to let you know this show has been brought to you in an attempt to teach you Bitcoin. We're going to talk on this show about all kind of things over the season, from money to Bitcoin to the society. But at heart of it, we're talking about Bitcoins, and we're really targeting, trying to target the show to you boomers, people like myself. But really, I think the content is something anyone's going to enjoy listening to who's into Bitcoin at all. So I want you to tell your friends about the show. I want you to share the show with other people in your family. And I agree with American HODL. You need to buy some Bitcoin. So t get online, go to Google, search Bitcoin and find out about it. You also may want to follow another show I do on YouTube. It's the four minute Bitcoin show. If you're interested in learning about Bitcoin, it's one news article every weekday in four minutes or less. I can't make it any shorter than that. We'll be right back for our closing comments right after this word from our sponsor. Hello, welcome back. I'm Gary Leland, also known as the Bitcoin Boomer. And of course, this is the Bitcoin for Boomers TV show. Recorded live here in Arlington, Texas, right in the middle of Dallas-Fort Worth at the Biz TV studios. And I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I think we've covered a lot of information today and our goal, or my goal, is to educate you on Bitcoin. I don't have any Bitcoin I want to sell you. I don't have a place for you to go do me some favors with Bitcoin. I don't want any donations for Bitcoin, but I do want you to know what Bitcoin is. And maybe from watching this show, you've learned a little bit enough or enough about Bitcoin 
that if you're standing at the water cooler at your office and someone brings up the topic, you're not sitting there just in oblivion, having no idea what they're talking about. Maybe now you can even make some input into the conversation. Bitcoin's not gonna disappear. It's not going anywhere. It's pretty much gonna be here forever, I believe. So you really need to learn this subject and, and understand what Bitcoin is. And that's our goal. Each week we'll bring you new guests. We'll talk about new parts of Bitcoin, new things with Bitcoin, give you more information about Bitcoin, as well as give you news about Bitcoin every week. I want this to be your source to learn about Bitcoin and grow your knowledge about Bitcoin. I want you to be so comfortable with the topic of Bitcoin that as you see Bitcoin on news articles, on financial news channels, people talking about it, that you can input a conversation. You can join the conversation. You're a part of the conversation. Maybe you are, are actually carrying on the conversation because of what you learned. Please tell your friends about the channel. Tell your friends about the show. Help share this information with everybody. I also want to make sure you know if you have a question you'd like me to answer on a future episode, send it to GaryLeland at gmail.com. That's GaryLeland at gmail.com. I'm going to try to answer as many of those as I can on future episodes. And like I said, we'll be bringing in more news and more guests to listen to on here. I also do want to remind you one more time to go to 4MinuteBitcoin.com. I say that because that is a great resource for you that we put out. One news article every day in four minutes or less, and it's about Bitcoin. So if you want to learn about Bitcoin between this show once a week and the Four Minute Crypt Bitcoin show, you're going to learn a lot. So thanks for joining me on today's Four Minute Bitcoin. I want to thank my producer, Travis Littig. Great job, Travis. And we'll see you next week on the next Bitcoin for Boomers show. Have a good one, everybody.